Good morning, Bridge Church. How's everybody doing today? Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise. Yes, 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 man. So awesome to be with you guys today. Hey, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Alan Peacock, and I pastor the Smithfield location. Come on, somebody. Give it up for Smithfield. Amen. So good to be with you guys today. Hey, before we get started, let me just look right into the camera right there and just welcome all of those who are joining us watching online. Church, can we make our online audience feel welcome in the house? Thank you guys so much for being with us and tuning in. Hey, do me a favor, man. Make me feel at home today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Glad you made it to church today. Now turn to the one you really didn't want to talk to and say, I'm glad you're here too, I guess. I guess. Man, it is so amazing to be with you guys. What about the staff here at the bridge? Amen. These guys do an amazing job. You know, George Washington Carver once says this. He said, when you do the normal things in life in an uncommon way, when you do the common things in life in an uncommon way, you draw the attention of the world. Let me say that again. When you do the common things in life, the everyday things, the things that you look at and just say, well, it's, you know, it's no big deal. When you do those things in an uncommon way, you command the attention of the world. Can I tell you something? The bridge as a whole, all of our locations are literally commanding the attention of the world. And it's through all of you guys who are willing to sacrifice and and give and be a part and serve. So come on, give all of the leaders in the house today a hand real quick. Thank you guys so much for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your sacrifice. We appreciate you so much. And man, let me just kind of time out and pause just for a moment and just brag on your pastor. Come on, somebody. Pastor Jim Wall, such an amazing man of God. Pastor Jim and I have been friends for a long, long time. We've spoke at conferences together. We've traveled together. We've just been kind of a a team, if you will, for several years. And I definitely look up to him. I always have. He's kind of like a spiritual father of mine, mentor, if you will. And so, man, I am so grateful just to be up under him and just for the vision that he has for the bridge as a whole, uh, for the vision he has for Princeton and what you guys are doing and accomplishing. And so, man, I just thank him so much. I thank Miss Kim as well. Come on, somebody, Miss Kim. So, guys, can you give your pastor a big round of applause? Amen, amen. So they told me I had three hours a day, amen? going to settle in, you know, microwave that fried chicken, amen. Hey, I want to talk to you a few moments today on the subject of getting your spiritual edge back, getting your spiritual edge back. And so if you've kind of been with us, we're in a series called Felt Board Faith. And if you've been with The Bridge at least a couple of years, you'll know that a couple of years ago, we started out this series called Felt Board Faith, and we were really dealing with some of the big Bible stories like that you heard when you were growing up and in Sunday school and different things like that. And so there were stories like, you know, Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath and Jonah in the well and, you know, all of these stories that we knew. And so we said, hey, let's pick up that same series this year, only this time we're doing lesser known Bible stories. How many of you know there's a lot of stuff in the Bible? Amen. And so we're talking about things and different stories that 
maybe you've never heard of before or maybe you have heard of them, but you don't really know how to apply it to your life. And like, what does that mean for me where I'm at on my job and my family? And so that's what we're talking about is lesser known Bible stories. And one of the things I want to talk about today, again, is just getting that spiritual edge back. But before we get into it, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have ever looked for something that you have misplaced or lost? Come on, you just spent some time looking for something, misplaced it, lost it, didn't mean to, just wound up somewhere, you spent some time looking for it. You know, the reality is a lot of the things that we look for and, and, and kind of go after, they're actually in our possession, right? So, for instance, how many of you guys have ever been looking for some reading glasses or sunglasses only to find them on top of your head? Anybody ever done that before? What about this one? You, you're running around, you're running late, you're trying to find your car keys, you can't find your car keys, you're looking, they're supposed to be like in the basket, they're not there, you're walking around only to find them in your mouth. One of the things you'll know about me is I am notorious for losing my phone. I can't keep up with it. And so Misty and I, my wife, we were late at, to an appointment the other day. And I'm looking in the house. I'm like, I don't know where my phone is. I can't find it. Call my phone. She called my phone and uh, it's in my pocket. Amen. <laughs> I mean, if you guys have ever done that before, I talked to a lady just the other day. She said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. She said, I was looking for my phone everywhere. I couldn't find it. I didn't realize what was going on, and it was in my hand the whole time. Come on, has anybody ever done that before? You experienced that before? Come on, raise your hand. Don't leave me by myself. Amen. Leadership team at Smithfield feeling real strong right now. Amen. So anyway, we've, we've all been down this road, right? We've lost something. We've misplaced something. But what I want to talk to you about today is, is about losing something else. It's not really material in nature, but it's spiritual. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I would dare say that there's probably been a time in your life where you've lost something spiritual in nature. For instance, for some of you, maybe you've lost a passion for God. You know, you used to have that, that passion and that zeal and that longing to just do something great for the cause of Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the way, you lost it. Maybe for some of you, you had that joy inside of you. Come on, how many of you guys are morning people? Any morning people in the house? You, you wake up and you're like, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, and all you not morning people, you don't like us. It's okay, amen? But you had that joy in your heart. You had joy in your soul. But somewhere along the line, you lost it. Maybe there's some of you that had amazing faith and you just believed God for really big things to accomplish great things in your heart and your life and you love God and you know that there's a God that loves you and cares for you and wants to bless you and prosper you but here lately you found yourself not praying for much of anything. Matter of fact, you don't even know what you believe anymore. The fact is you had something very important spiritually but somewhere along the way you lost it. So what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about a guy in the Bible by the name of Elisha. Elisha, and when you talk about Elisha, you also have to acknowledge his partner in crime, if you will, his mentor, his spiritual father, Elijah. So when you're reading in the Bible, you read about these two guys, Elijah and Elisha, kind of like Batman and Robin, if you will, doing amazing things for God. 
Matter of fact, it was towards the end of Elijah's life, knowing that the chariot was coming to get him. He was going home, and Elisha asked for something specific. He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Like the spirit that rests on you, I want it to rest on me. And so we see that that is exactly what happened because when you look at the miracles of these two mighty men of God, Elijah would go on to perform 14 miracles. Elisha would go on to perform 28 miracles. And these miracles are are, are large and in charge. They're very significant. For instance, there was one time where Elisha was in a community and there was a body of water that fed into that community. It's where they got their drinking water from and That water was poisoned, and so Elisha goes out and he takes a bowl of salt and just simply casts it into the water, and the water is pure. There's another time where Elisha actually raised a boy from the dead. And if you know anything about in the Old Testament, there's really three resurrections that's listed in the Old Testament. One of them is accredited to Elijah. The other two are actually credited to Elisha. And so Elisha raises this boy from the dead. There's another time where he provides for a widow woman, a woman who had lost her husband. Her husband kind of left her in a little bit of a debt, couldn't pay it off. The creditors were coming to take her sons. And so Elisha was there and says, hey, you got a jar of oil, borrow the vessels. The oil didn't run out. There's another occasion where Elisha healed Naaman of leprosy, go dip in the Jordan. It's another time where Elisha heals, uh, he actually blinds an entire army to move forward the things of God. In 2 Kings chapter 2, there was a, an interesting miracle that took place. Elijah, Elisha rather, is coming out of Jericho and there's 42 young men that surround him and begin to taunt him and say, get away from us, Baldy. Go on, Baldy. Don't, don't be a part of us, Baldy. And Elisha, if you know, turns around and puts a curse on them. Two bears come out, maul all 42 of the boys, turn to somebody and say, don't mess with a bald-head man. Come on, somebody. Amen. All the bald-headed people said amen right there. All of these big miracles, these significant miracles, but there's one in particular that I want us to focus on today. It's kind of tucked in the middle of all this. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I would even call it one of the oddest miracles in all of the Bible. It's the floating axe head. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 1, it says, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Hey, this this place is too small. We need an expansion project. We need to build for the generations. We we need to do something great. It's, It's too small. So let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and build a place there for us to meet. And Elisha said, go ahead. And one of them said, won't you please come with your service? Elisha said, sure, I'll come. He went with them. And so they went to the Jordan and began to cut down some trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Turn to somebody and say, oh, no. Exactly what this young man said. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, threw it in there, made the iron float, lifted out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Let me give you a little context to what you've 
just read here. So you've got this, this prophet student, if you will, this Bible college student. He wants to be a part of building for the generations. He says, look, I don't have a lot, but I can give some sweat equity to this thing. You know, I've got to borrow this axe, but I want to go and chop down a tree. And so as he's doing it, the axe head flaws off, falls into the water. There's no way he can retrieve it. Elisha comes in, cuts a stick, throws it into the water. That stick immediately becomes like a magnet. The axe head clings to it. The prophet's uh, student reaches out, grabs it, and pulls it in. And some of you are reading that, and you're like, man, okay, that's a pretty cool miracle, but what's the big deal there? Like, what's the significance? How does that apply where I'm at on my job, in my marriage, in my home? What, what does that mean for me? And here's the thing that you need to understand is that iron in that time was very, very rare and very, very valuable. So you've got this Bible college student who more than likely is very, very poor, Come on, like living on ramen noodles poor. Come on, anybody identify with some ramen noodles in the house? Thank you. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, see me at the end of service. I got four kids, amen? So he's living on ramen noodles. He's very poor. Iron's hard to come by. So you understand when that iron falls off into the water, there's no way he can ever repay. There's no way he can ever do anything to get that back. And so here's what it applies to your life. This is not in your notes, so you may be taking like nuclear notes right now, like really writing some stuff down. How does this apply to my life? Here's what you need to understand. God cares about every detail of your life. God cares about every detail of your life. The big things and the small things. The big things and the small things, God cares about every detail of your life. If you wake up one morning, you got a little nagging headache. Listen, if it concerns you, it concerns God. He cares about the details of your life. If you go outside to start your car, your car does not start. Guess what? God cares about the details of your life. If you've got a flat tire, God cares about the details of your life. When you're running through your house and you're looking for your keys and they're in your mouth, listen to me, God's laughing at you, but he cares about the details of your life. And here's what you need to understand about God. Not only does he care about these details, but he'll specialize in helping you find what you did not mean to lose. Not only does he care about the details of your life, but he specializes in helping you find what you did not mean to lose. And so for those of you who have lost something spiritual in nature, here's what you need to understand, and that is that we serve a God who can restore to us. He can bring back to us the things that the enemy has taken from us. And so let me just kind of ask this question to you as we're sitting here today. I want you to think about something. It's kind of weighty. You ready? Have you lost your spiritual edge. Looking back on your life, looking at where you are in your relationship with God right now, has there been a time in your life where you were more into the things of God than you are right now? Has there been a time in your life where you were more passionate about prayer, more passionate about God's Word? Has there been a time in your life where you were more on fire for God than you are right now? Have you lost your spiritual edge? For those of you watching online and maybe in here in person, you're saying, you know what? No, man, God and I are all right. And man, I praise God for that. Like, thank the Lord things are going well for you. Whatever you're doing, 
to keeping that spiritual passion high. Keep on doing it, whatever it is. But my guess is that for many of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, there may have been a time in your life where you were more into the things of God than you are right now. So what I'm asking you to do today is be specific, acknowledge that, be truthful about that, recognize that. And for some of you, it could have been a time where you used to have your life surrounded by committed Christians. Maybe you were part of a bridge group, maybe you were part of growth track and you had people there to encourage you and and lift you up and pray with you and help you and be a part of your life and come on, breaking some bread together. Amen, you had that, but you got busy. Something happened somewhere along the way and now you're all by yourself. You lost your edge. Maybe for some of you, there was a time where you used to serve in the church and, and, and you were passionate about that. And it was hard, yes, and it's a lot of sacrifice, absolutely. But there was a joy in your soul just knowing that God was using you to do something great. He was used out of all the people in the world, God is choosing you to use you. And there was this satisfaction on the inside, but now it's all about you. What happened? You lost your edge. For some of you, there was a passion for prayer. Like you would just wake up early in the morning and begin to pray for people. You would ride down the road and pray for people. You would pray for people on your job. You would just like this one big prayer session. And now you pray over a meal every once in a while when someone's watching. What happened? You lost your edge. At one point in time, maybe some of you used to love to share your faith. There was something that God was doing inside of you and you understood that you had the cure to a spiritual disease that is plaguing this world. You had Jesus and you were glad to share it with somebody and you wanted to share it with somebody, but now something has happened. You don't even know how you lost it, but you lost your edge and you can't even remember the last time you had a conversation with someone about Jesus. For some of you, maybe you've kind of lowered your standards. Your standards have eroded. It was a time in your life where you had barriers and you had these different things, these different places in your life where you said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. That's not pleasing to God. That's not helpful for me. But you find yourself kind of saying, okay, well, I'm going to try it one time. Well, now one time has become the habit of your life. And so now you're sitting here and you're trying to figure things out and you don't understand it and you don't really know what's going on and now you're cutting corners. Now you're taking shortcuts. And then one day you wake up and you said, man, how did I get here? I mean, like I was really over here. I was on fire. I was in the house. I was praying. I was reading. But now I'm here. What happened? You lost your edge. And before you beat yourself up, here's the reality. It can happen to any of us. There's an enemy of your soul called the devil, and his sole mission is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And it's almost like you're at the beach, right? Come on, how many beach lovers we got in the house today? Come on, those of you watching online, I know where you at, amen, I see you. So you're at the beach, and you go out in the beach, you're in the water, like you're, you're having a good time, you got a bead on your stuff, and next thing you know, about 30 minutes later, you're looking up and say, hey, somebody stole my stuff, only to find that you are about 30 to 40 yards down the beach line in the water, 
Your stuff didn't move, you moved. There's a drift, there was an undertow, there was something. You didn't mean for it to happen, you didn't intend on it to happen, but you woke up one day and you've lost something. Several years ago, this happened to me. I went up to preach and I was in the middle of a prayer praying and immediately God spoke to my heart and I realized in that moment that that was the first time I had prayed all week long. It was the first time I realized that I was praying publicly but I wasn't praying privately and God kind of quickened my heart and I went home and I started looking at the different things of my life and I realized there was a lot going on. I realized that the only time I was studying the word is when I had to preach. So there was really no personal devotion in my life and I realized that in the middle of that season I was in, God showed me I lost my spiritual edge. And I realized in that moment that I had become a full-time preacher but a part-time follower of Christ. And the reason why it's so quiet right now is because maybe some of you can identify with that. Maybe in your life, in your walk, something's happening, something's going on, and you're a full-time whatever, but a part-time follower of Christ. Maybe you've become a full-time parent, but a part-time follower of Christ. A full-time business person where your life is literally all about your career, all about climbing the ladder of success. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being goal-oriented. There's nothing wrong with wanting to accomplish something great for the kingdom, of, I mean, for, for your own self. You know, making, you know, nothing wrong with that. But here's the reality. The reality is there's a calling attached to your life. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you are, there is a calling attached to your life. And sometimes we get the career and the job and the calling and it kind of jumbles up and we lose sight of what's really going on. Can I help you with something? A calling is what you're made for. A job is what you're paid for. See, I, in my mind, I saw you guys like running laps, slinging your weave all over this place. So good. I, I feel you. A job is what you're paid for. A calling is what you're made for. And you need to understand that every single one of us, we have a calling attached to our lives, and that calling is threefold. You want to know what it is? We're called to know God, love God, and serve God in this world. You want to know, Pastor, what's my calling? There it is. Know God, love God, and serve God in the world. And when you get these things confused, you become a full-time something and a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. You didn't mean to lose it. You didn't mean to lose the edge. You didn't mean to stop praying with your kids. You didn't mean to stop praying for your spouse. You didn't mean to fall back into the old patterns of your life and become addicted again. You didn't mean to drift from the love and the intimacy that you once had with God. You didn't mean to do all that, but you lost your edge. So here's another question for you guys. What do you do when you're swinging away at life and you're going at it with all you can and your edge flies off. Like, what do you do in that moment? How do you get your edge back? Let me give you two things today, I believe, that can help us where we are and where maybe some of you are right now. How do I get the edge back? Here's the first thing you've got to do. Number one, you've got to be honest about where you lost it. Come on, remember I asked you at the beginning of the service, kind of, have you lost the edge? Be honest about it. Here, here's the time to be honest. Verse 6, we see this playing out. Elisha asked this prophet student, he says, hey, where did it fall? 
Like, hey, it, it isn't gone. It's just where you left it. So I'd ask you guys the same thing. Where did it fall? You've got to go back in your life, and I guarantee you, if you go back in your life, you can remember that time, that place. Maybe it was that friend. Maybe it was that thing you looked at. Whatever the case, there was a time in your life where you took a wrong turn, and you've got to go back to that place. For some, maybe it was a time where you just kind of surrounded yourself with the wrong friends. For some of you, maybe if you're a lady in the house, you said, you know what? I'm just looking for the man of my dreams. Like I'm looking, he's got to have like the three sixes, six foot, six pack, six figures. Come on, somebody. Come on, how many of you know that's the devil? Amen. Come on, amen. I'm just saying. But you were looking for the man of your dreams. And you were like, I just want a man to love me and it's going to be faithful to me and be good to me. So, ladies, what you were actually looking is steady Eddie. Amen. Come on. You were looking for steady Eddie, but because you took a turn somewhere, you wound up with a sexy Steve. And as a result, you by yourself right now. Amen. For some of you guys, maybe you were looking for a Betty Crocker. Come on, somebody. Walk into your house, open the door, fried chicken, cornbread, squash, root of beggars, in Jesus' name. Is anybody feeling my pain right now? Come on, a woman that knew what a bowl of Crisco was like. Come on, amen. You were looking for Betty Crocker, man, but you took a turn somewhere and you've wound up with a Shanita. Come on, you know what that is? She need a car payment. She need a house payment. She needs some clothes. She just need a whole lot of stuff. Turn to somebody and say, you took a wrong turn. Get back right. You got to go back to the place where you took that turn, the place where you went down that place, that path. There was a time where you used to pray and you stopped. There was a time where you were searching for God and his word and you stopped. There was a time where you were tithing, you were on top of that, and you were putting God first in your finances, but you got behind, you stopped and you wondering why have I lost the joy of worshiping God why have I lost the joy of serving God and living for God I used to but I stopped and maybe it was because you got hurt in church right maybe someone hurt your feelings and instead of praying about it instead of going to the person you've allowed a bitter root to grow inside of and now you're blaming God for something that the enemy came in and it's like the drifts and he's pulled you off course. So you got to be honest about where you've lost that edge. But here's the second thing. If you want that edge back, you want the passion, the fire, the devotion back, be honest about where you lost it. Here's the second thing. You got to be willing to take back what you've lost. Because remember we said at the beginning that we serve a God that specializes in helping us find what we did not mean to lose. Again, we see this played out when this prophet student showed Elijah the place. Elisha cuts down a stick. He throws it in there, made the iron to float. Watch what he says. He says to him, lift it out, he says. Then the man reached out his hand and what did he do? He took it. He took it back. Listen, only God can make the axe head float, but you've got to do your part. You've got to be willing to take it back. 
God will bring back to you what you didn't mean to lose, but you've got to be willing to take that back. But I want to kind of preface everything right here with a little bit of a warning, if you will. The moment you try to go after God, the moment you try to be the man or woman that you know God's called to be, the moment you try to go back, there's going to be something that happens. We see this played out in 2 Chronicles chapter 19 and 20. There's the king there named Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 19 is going throughout the land of Judah and he's encouraging the people, turn back to God. Give God your hearts. Give God your lives. And so there's this revival that breaks out, right? That's chapter 19. Chapter 20, the first two words of chapter 20 says, after this... After what? After they made the commitment. After they made to say, hey, let's go back. Let's get, we've lost something. Let's go back to it. Let's grab it. Let's pull it back in. After this, three enemy armies surrounded him. The moment you try to go after God, the moment you try to take a stand for God, there's going to be that voice in the back of your head that says you can't get it back again. It's been too long, you've gone too far, you've done too much, you can never have it back. I mean, after all you've done, come on, man. You'll never be the person that you wanted to be, but I believe I've come here with some encouragement for somebody watching online, maybe somebody in the house today, and that is that with God, it's not too late to be the person you could have been. It's not too late. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. You haven't gone way away from God where he doesn't know where you are. No, you haven't become someone that that you can't get out of. God specializes in helping you find what you did not mean to lose. And so God is going to bring it back into your reach, but you have to be willing to take it back. So how do I do that? Here's how you do it. You do what you can do and trust God to do what you can't do. You do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. Can you make an axe head float? Absolutely not. But here's what we can do. We can take it back when God brings it in our reach. Can you create faith and passion in your own life, in your own heart? No, but what can you do? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So you put yourself in a place where you are hearing God's Word and it's speaking into your life and it builds faith inside of you. You know that God answers prayers and so you just say, you know what, I'm going to pray even when I don't feel anything. I'm going to pray as the old timers say, when the heavens are as brass. When, when your prayers hit the ceiling and fall back down in the room, I, I'm going to pray. I don't feel like worshiping, but I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to lift my voice anyway. I'm going to praise anyway. Why? Because the psalmist says that God inhabits the praise of his people. The word inhabits there literally means that God dwells inside of your praise. So every time you're willing to praise, every time you're willing to open up your mouth and give God what you've got, God immediately comes and dwells in that praise. I'm going to share my faith even though I don't have all the answers. Like, hey man, what's up? How did Noah get all them animals in the ark? I don't know. What's up with the mosquitoes? I don't know. How did Jonah live in that fish? I don't know. But here's what I know. What God done for me, he can do for you. And you share your faith. And you don't pull back. 
Because listen, everybody you come across in life is looking for four things from you. Come on, turn to somebody and say, this is free. Tell Pastor Jim, say, man, he gave us something for free. Amen, it's in your notes. You need to write this down. Let me give you four things. God spoke to my heart about this. Four things everybody wants to know about you. That you love them, you care about them, you believe in them, and you can show them how to get better. That's four things everybody is wanting to know about you. Do you love me? Are you just you just giving me lip service here? Do you really care about me? Do you care about what's going on in my family, in my life, in my heart? Do you care about me? Do you believe in me? Because quite frankly, we live in a world that's willing to push everybody down. And well, I, you know, I just they just who they are. No, do you believe in me? And can you help me get better? Four things everybody is wanting to know about you. And so you're willing to share your faith. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to give. And you say, well, Pastor, I, I get all of that. I, I hear you saying, I've gone back. I realize where I took the turn. I, I realize I need to take it back. But how do I take it back? Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus was speaking to a church of people, a place where I believe many of us are today. Watch what he says to him. He says, hey... You've forsaken the love you had at first. Hey, you remember that time where you used to open the word and salty tears fall down your face? You remember that time where you got into my presence and it was so strong that you couldn't even talk? You remember that time where you used to serve and work and give and do things for me? Do you, you remember that? Consider how far you've fallen. You had something you didn't mean to lose it, but you lost it. Consider it. And watch what he says. One word. Repent. Repent. Go to God. Say you're sorry. Turn back. Come home. Turn from your sin. Turn from your complacency. Repent and do the things you did at first. Those things that brought joy to your heart, to your life. If you want what you once had, guys, you got to be willing to do what you once did. When He causes it to float, reach out and take it back. For me, after recognizing what I lost, just kind of went back and started doing some of the things I did at first. I recommitted to doing those things. I recommitted to serving and giving and, 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 and recommitted to doing the things that brought that passion into my life. One of the first things I did was committed to going on a long fast. Because I wanted to say no to my flesh so that I could say yes to my spirit. And come on, when you go without some chicken nuggets, waffle fries and Polynesian sauce, I mean, you know, that's serious business. Come on, Amen went on that fast started beating down that flesh made a commitment to seek God every day first 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 thing I do hear me guys I'm not here to beat you up 
First thing many people do is they wake up in the morning and they, they grab that phone, they pull it out, and they start scrolling Facebook. Come on, for all us old folks, Facebook. Some of you guys are scrolling TikTok. You're scrolling this, you're scrolling that. Listen, I'm not saying anything wrong with all that, but for me, but for me, I say, God, the first thing I see is going to be your book, not Facebook. The first thing I see is going to be seeking your face, not what everybody else said. I have four kids. Went and bought four Bibles. This is me, not you. This is me. Every year, I read through the Bible. Been doing it for years. Read through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to take one Bible for each child. And as you do your devotions with me, I'm going to speak into your heart and you write down in the margin something for them. Doing it every year. Just finished up Caleb's last year working on Aiden's. Aiden's my youngest son. I'm working on his now. Spending a little more time with his. If you know anything about my son, you'll know why I'm spending more time with his. Every day. Every day. When I was willing to reach out, God had it right there for me to grab, and I pulled it back in. For some of you in here today, you've, you've lost it, right? You've, you've lost the edge. Be honest about it. But I believe God brought us all here together today. We've laughed. We had a good time. But God wants to bring back into your life what you didn't mean to lose. You, you had it. We know COVID is a, is a horrible disease. You, you had it, right? You were on track. You were coming to God's house. You, you were giving. You were serving. You Everything. And then the world turned upside. The world turned upside down. And what happened? I, I, man, I didn't mean to lose it. I, 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 didn't, I couldn't come to church physically. I, 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 there was so much. I didn't mean to, Pastor. But maybe you lost it. And I believe God has brought us together to say, hey, I'm going to bring it within your reach. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. What an amazing promise that God gives us. What does he say? I will what? Restore. Say that again. I want it in your spirit. I will. The years the locusts have eaten. There's a verse in Proverbs that talks about when the enemy steals something from you, he has to come and pay that back seven times. For some of you in here today, you're in a place where the enemy has stolen something from you. But God says, hey, let's bring that seven times back into your life. Stand with me all over the house. pretty heavy message. I, I understand that. I get it. I know. But 
I also know there's an undertow. There's the enemy of your soul and he's pulling you. Let's, let's be honest. You, you didn't mean to lose it, right? You, nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to trash my life. I'm going to fall back into the habits again. I'm going to become an addict again. No, nobody, nobody does that, right? I have, a, I have a cousin that just a couple years ago she didn't wake up one day and said, I'm going to dive into a pool and be paralyzed the rest of my life. No, nobody wakes up, but it happens. So here we are. We're together. Ball's in your court. Spiritually speaking, ball is in your court. The axe is in your hand. You need to get your edge back. How do I do that? Repent. God, forgive me. Man, I'm sorry. I, <clears throat> I dropped the ball over here. I, I took a turn here. I, Lord, I know I said I, I'd never do that again, but, but Lord, have you ever been to the Lord in prayer and just simply said, Lord, it's me and you know I, I don't need to explain it. I don't need to go down the road again. It's me and you know, and God has brought you here to say, hey, I haven't forgotten you. I can restore the things the enemy has taken from you. So bow your heads with me all over the house. Maybe you've walked into this place this morning. Maybe you've tuned in and you're watching online right now. This is a moment for you. This is between you and God. No one's looking around. Maybe you're in your living room. You're on vacation. Wherever you are, you're watching online. Guys, this is between you and God right now. If God is speaking into your heart, and maybe you've come in here today, maybe you've watched, you're watching today, and you say, man, you know what? Pastor, I, I never had any of that stuff. I don't even know about an edge. So for me, it's kind of like, where do, I, where do I even get the edge? Where do I start? The starting point for you is to accept Christ into your heart, to give Him your all, to hold nothing back, but to give Him everything and say, Lord, come into my heart and come into my life. I need you. And so if that describes you, no matter where you are, if you're in person, would you just be willing to lift a hand and put it back down? Say, that's me. Seize the hand. 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 Come on. Today's your day. If you're watching online right now and you say, man, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. Just type it in the chat box. That's me. That's me. That's me. Look at me. We don't take what just happened lightly. So I like to do it as a family. We're going all in today for Jesus. So if you raise your hand and you mean business with God, can I tell you something? He means business with you. If you mean business with God online, He means business with you. So I want all of us to pray this prayer together in unison. Just repeat, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe 
that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose the third day. And God, I'm asking you now, come into my heart. Save me. Use me in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sins. I give you all in Jesus' name. Give God a big hand clap of praise all over the place today.